Hi, welcome to episode 11 of the Owl and Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my good friend Helen and we are two Christians who are looking at uh, world events through a biblical world view and we're trying to make sense of it by applying the Bible to what we see and critically thinking through the events that are happening in the world around us. It's been a bit of a gap between um, this episode and our previous one, so what we thought we'd do is have a little bit of a, a catch-up. It'll be a shorter episode from this point of view, but we're going to look at a few key things that have been in the news and hopefully um, get ourselves going again. So, Helen, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Excellent, excellent. And and it's early morning, isn't it? We thought we'd try try a different different time of day for um for recording this. So this is, yeah, see if it makes a difference. It is quite early. It is. It's nice, and at least because it's it's summer, it's um light as well. Because if we're doing this in winter, it would be dark and and miserable. Anyway, right. So let's get to um let's get to the first thing we've got on our list. And um, I think one of the things that's been in the news recently has been the government party gate lockdown or, or whatever you you want to call it but you know the government having uh, drinks during um lockdown so yeah helen what, what's your what's your first thoughts on this one um well i suppose similar to most people it's just hypocrisy isn't it um making these rules and then ignoring them themselves yeah and we keep getting more and more examples of it yeah, it's just really sad, and it's kind of rumbled on and on, hasn't it? It's 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 something that's been going on a number of 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 weeks now, and yeah, I, I think he's been. It has been a little bit frustrating why why people seem to, well, not everybody, but a lot of lot of the like media ask the wrong question. They 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 don't ask, <clears throat> oh, why why did they break their own rules they just ask oh they broke their own rules isn't that bad well it's a case of why surely if 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 this thing was so bad surely they'd be obeying their own rules wouldn't they but um, yeah well you'd think if they if they thought um that the public should be frightened you know that their the things they were telling the public it was deliberately to to scare them into complying with the rules but they clearly were not scared themselves they weren't worried about the virus. If they were, they wouldn't have been doing what they were doing. Yeah, I think they knew right. they weren't in danger. That's right. That's right. Um, and that's that's certainly the impression that they're giving now. Which, and and I think from a kind of a political, just a general political point of view, it's a real shame because it it, it puts a um, it puts a real dampener on any kind of hint of due political process that we might have and integrity and what we hold our politicians to because I think you know we've we've seen this previously haven't we with the expenses scandal a few years ago um, <clears throat> and the scale of that was quite an eye-opener and yet it wasn't surprising because I think we've sadly come to that point where whilst we don't expect our politicians to be perfect because none of us are perfect we do we do hold them to to a high standard, given given the office they hold, um, and of course the salary they get from the public purse. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, you know, it's, it's Boris Johnson is is guilty not simply of of breaking his own rules, but of failing to assess if those rules even worked. That's the thing, isn't it? And the sheer scale of the law demanded a rigorous assessment of the policies behind it, but no serious cost benefit analysis was conducted. And um, yeah, I mean, our deficit now is 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 
astronomic thanks to all the things that the government put in place during lockdown. Yeah, and I think um, it wasn't very long ago that Boris Johnson said that um, given particular circumstances, he would do it again. Yeah, that's right. I was really surprised when I heard that because last the end of last year, at the end of the last previous lockdown, and I, I really hate using the word lockdown because, number one, it, it, it's normalising something um, which in everyday language, which shouldn't be normalised. No. We shouldn't be talking about lockdowns as if they are actually a thing. They're not a thing. They are no. not a thing. Um, it's house arrest. It, it, yeah, it is house arrest. And lockdown, for, for if you don't know, is actually a term that's used in prisons. It's mm. a, ter- a technical term that comes from uh, the prison system. It has no place in a free society. And, and the trouble is, every time we use that word lockdown, we are just reinforcing the fact that this is okay. It's not okay. So no. um, maybe we should try and find a different word for it. We should really, because the lockdown is is a temporary, short-term thing that is done when there's a an immediate threat, and it's usually for a matter of hours. That's what in a prison situ- situation it would be, not for months on end. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I, I totally agree. And there, there was a really sad, um, there was a really sad little article in 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 the news on. Um, on, a, on the BBC, no less, and it was about a, a lady who was um, unable to visit her husband in hospital during uh, during the lockdowns, um, or whatever we should be calling it, and and he died in hospital. It's awful. It's heartbreaking. And and she said, "I wish I hadn't followed the rules. I'd have taken the fine." Um, and she also added that she would give given anything to spend more time with her dying husband. Meanwhile, the government are just blatantly ignoring their own rules whilst expecting everybody else to, to follow like obedient serfs. And, and it's just it's just heartbreaking. And the thing is, this lady, her experience is not unusual. It's, it's, it seems to be very common. I, I know I know of people local to here who have who have had the same situation even now even now and it's um it's evil basically there's and it's yeah evil ungodly unbiblical wrong um, yeah it is there are people still in um care I don't like even to call them care homes um who who are shut away who are who are prevented from seeing their relatives or if they can who are seeing them behind a screen like going to a prison visit yes yes yeah yeah, yeah. and that includes children of course people you know there are disabled children people with learning difficulties who are in these places whose family have been restricted for so long and and some of these people have no understanding of what's going on, of why they can't see their family or why they can't yeah. touch their family. Yeah. It's, it, it's it's awful, just, well, that's not a good enough word for it. It's just shocking. If we if we reduce life down to simply um, being alive is, is actually the fact that you're breathing, um, then we've, we've completely misunderstood what what life is actually about and we certainly have not grasped the the eternal perspective which god calls us to look to um through his word because the bible tells us we we don't know the 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 amount of time we have to live on this earth it could be many years it might be till tomorrow 
but um, what we do know is that there is an eternity and that's what we have to focus our hearts and our minds on and prepare for that and this um, evil and it is an evil was an evil of lockdown um, flew in the face of that and, and all that all that's all that is good um, and, I, and I think if you you're if you've made it through to uh, this episode 11 from um, episodes 1 to 10 um, you perhaps could be forgiven for thinking oh god Tim and Helen talking about this again um, well the truth is is that it's important that we actually take a, a considered view of, of what's happened it is in the news at the moment still as, as we know but we mustn't forget must we Helen what's happened here no I think it's important not to um, it's important to make sure it it doesn't just become something that's regarded as normal it, it was never normal and it should never be a normal thing to do um, and I, unfortunately I think it's one of these situations where once it's been done once it's much easier to do it again. Yeah, we yeah. need to be ready for that because I'm sure that that's coming. Yeah, there'll be another reason. And they they told us a lot of lies about this stuff as well, haven't they? I think, and that's what's become clear over these last last few years, last yeah. couple of years. Yeah, I think the other thing that um that is is really upsetting when uh, Keir Starmer used an ex- another example of someone who couldn't visit their other half who was dying in hospital and used it as a weapon against Boris Johnson. Um, But the thing that the opposition never said is that that in itself was wrong, that people should never have been kept away from their dying loved ones, that it wasn't wasn't just about breaking the rules. He was missing the point completely. It was always wrong to make those people suffer so terribly. And the opposition's job, they should have stood up for them. They should have said... This is wrong. Whereas, in fact, what they did was say we should be locking down harder, longer. Um, you know, you're not doing enough. More restrictions. There yeah. was never anyone pushing against that. No, no, and 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 that's again that that just shows the just the the tragic state of our 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 system of of governance at the moment where the opposition's job is to oppose the government that's in power to hold them to some kind of account and to keep things going well um but yeah and and i think as well it's just 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 that um we we have to we have to um we have to remember what the messaging was over over this time um and I, I I couldn't believe it. I was I saw a clip from uh, yeah Emmerdale, um, which was which was basically about about father and his strange father and son and how the father was saying how he's now got the vaccine and now he and now he can see the son and it was it was unbelievable. <laughs> I thought it was almost like is this for real? But that was actually on TV and the messaging was relentless. But the point our point is we've got to. Um, We've got to think this through critically and we've got to be ready because unfortunately I think the same or similar tactics will be used again and it uh, it won't it won't be easy I think that's for sure anyway shall we um shall we move on so we yep. move on to the next one cool um right so just let's touch on on Ukraine because obviously that's that's been in in our news and on our uh, screens for for a lot for a quite a, a number of months now since that has been um, going on 
since near the beginning of the of the year. Um, slightly humorous one, if if that's if that's the right thing. But there was um, the first uh, the first public statement or comment rather made on the Ukraine war by the former president of the United States, George W. Bush. And it was it was a bit of it was a bit of a gaffe, but it was quite a quite a big gaffe. And he said this, he said, the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal inv- invasion of Iraq. I mean of Ukraine. <laughs> and you I think, thought that couldn't be real. Thought no that he can't really have said that. It he was, did. I know, I know. It was it was unbelievable and and i think it's you know whatever you think of 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 the situation in ukraine we we have to remember that um this country and and uh the united states and and others who call the who we perceive historically as as the good guys you know we've invaded iraq we've bombed libya we've invaded afghanistan all with seemingly noble aims, but now we're saying to Vladimir Putin when he invades Ukraine that he's the bad guy. Well, um, who gets to decide who's the bad guy and who's the good guy? Um, but it seems really uh, quite. It, it, we've we've gone into crazy world now, haven't we? There was there was a, again on our favourite source of uh, let's call it legacy news, shall we? Because I think mm-hmm. that's a fair term. Now, le- our favourite legacy news site, the BBC, had. Um, at this short article about a woman who had fled Ukraine has said she feels isolated after failing to find a vegan friendly host. Where do we start with this one, Helen? Mm-mm. Tricky, isn't it? Hard to feel much sympathy, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh man. I mean, okay, well let let, let I'll, I'll leave let me let me let me come back to the vegan vegan part in a, in a sec. Um but um Apparently, this this lady was living in in Kiev or Kiev, as we're supposed to um, call it now, uh, but I'm not going to bother with that. Kiev, uh, where she decided it was no longer safe to stay and began her long journey through Europe to the UK. Now, obviously, it's it's there's parts of Ukraine clearly where it's desperately dangerous to live, and anybody. Um, I guess in their right mind we want to get as far away from that place as possible. I completely understand that. But th- the question I have about this is is that the Kiev seems to be a, a strange one because it seems to be safe enough for heads of state to go to, for people like Angelina Jolie, Bono and The Edge from U2 can go mm-hmm. there and play a gig. Um, so I do ask the question, well, how dangerous is it? I mean, you know, a year and a half ago, we had the Prime Minister Boris Johnson wearing a full stab vest, as the police would wear, protective thing, and, and get this, and a face mask for a police raid visit in Liverpool, right? So he's dressed in this yeah. ridiculous outfit, okay? But he walks around Kiev with Zelensky in a suit and tie, which apparently is a war zone. Yeah. So, no, I, I mean, the photos. It, it just seems like some kind of crazy theatre. And again, you know, it, you could say, oh, well, there, there's definitely a war going on in Ukraine. We're not denying there's something going on in Ukraine at all. Simply asking the questions, we and we have to ask the questions, what is really happening? And the truth is, for the, I think the majority of us here in the UK and much of the West is, I don't think we know what is really no. happening. But anyway, let's go back to this lady with her... 
her, her vegan thing, Helen, because that was uh, I saw that I, I saw that and I thought of you. I have to be honest. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big big fan of veganism. <laughs> yeah, go on, say it something about be, this I, one. It wouldn't be the first thing that I would be worried about if I was fleeing a war and looking for refuge. I must admit. Yeah, I think I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that 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 is that's what came to that's what came that's what came to my mind. Um, but I mean, she, uh, this person, okay, maybe something's lost in translation here, but she's quoted as um, saying, "How would it be for you if someone was cutting a child in front of you or keeping body parts in the fridge and you just see a hand or half a face? That's what it feels like for me." I'm thinking, okay. I mean, come on, what? What do you think um, about that, Helen? I mean, yeah, I can't I, believe maybe maybe I, something I was lost in translation. I don't think it was. I think it's just, just no, utter madness. No, I have madness. heard others say similar things. Um, I I I can't relate to that. I must admit. But how can you compare? How can you compare that to like a child? I mean, it's like I, I, I it's just it's obscene. I'm sorry, it's just obscene. Um, but anyway, yeah. <sighs> By all means, if you don't want to eat meat, that's up to you. But just keep a sense of proportion, I think. Um, but yeah, this 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 lady who's come a long way um, has clearly got an order of priority in her life, which makes the rest of us feel um, a little bit irritated. I think. And and look, this is this is the th- this is the thing, and this is an interesting point, right? So, as Christians. Um, we are called to love our neighbour. That's really key. We're called to um, live a life that that points others to Jesus. Um, and Jesus, you know, obviously tells a very well-known parable of of of, of, the, of the good Samaritan. We're, we're not, in the sense, we're not there to to judge others, but we are to to help and care for them. And that and that is absolutely right. But how, as Christians, do we? extend help in a situation like this in a way that is right and honors honors god and that is that's a harder question to answer properly i think mm. uh, but instead of wrestling with that answer i think again we've just dived headlong into it um with good intentions but it could be tricky outcomes um and yeah because there's a lot there's a lot of pain in this country there's a lot of pain here there's a lot of people suffering here who are already here and um how do we as christians work through that as well that's really hard i think yeah it's one of those questions isn't it that um there's always this issue of uh particularly with you know in the past with aid going abroad compared with what we're spending here and you know what about the neighbor on your doorstep um and looking after those first which then people get uncomfortable with that because that's like saying oh well people you know further away from us that they're less important and that's that's not the case at all but sometimes i think we are called to to care for those who are immediately in front of us first um which is difficult yeah. or as well as well um, it, you're right you're right and 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 um you know the new testament actually makes it clear that 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 the church's job is first of all to care for fellow believers first 
actually and then and then out go keep going out from there and and that's not saying you you know, that's not the same as saying oh i we just ignore the person in our midst who's suffering that's not saying that what it's saying is that we ensure that those in the church family are cared for and are looked after and then and then we extend that out beyond the church church family walls but if we're extending it out beyond the church family walls and there's people in our midst who are not caring for well then then i think that that's that's um yeah that's that's really sad and we and the and and the trouble is the, and i think this is the thing that the difficulty for the church is is that the church is getting involved in geopolitics with things like um, this, uh, and the church can't. Well, I don't know how the church is supposed to give it to do to 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 serve in that way. Well, I'm not sure even if the church is called to serve in that way. Maybe it is. I don't know. Does that make sense or not? Really? <laughs> yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. And again, I think that principle of first and foremost, the church is, you know, if you're talking about, we've talked before about what is the church, but if you're talking about the physical congregation, if you like, or a church in a community, then first and foremost, um, that church is called to its to its immediate community. Yeah. Um, which, which includes people very often from, I mean, thinking of our own church, we have people from quite a number of nations in our immediate community that we serve. Yeah. And that's that's a good thing. Um, but, you know, we struggle for resources to serve them. Um, and I, I know of uh, some friends who are hosting a Ukrainian family soon and they were telling me about the situation. And, and I have to say, I was a bit, I was a bit uncomfortable about it. I, from what they say, there's not, there's not an issue of, money this family are um well educated you know have resources um but they were telling me what the government are get, giving them when they're coming here including a mastercard with an amount of money on it and um you know various things and i said well what what about schooling in this particular situation the schooling um well astonishing provision that there's going to be private schooling provided for for them Um, not by the government but but that's the situation that's unfolding um and i i just i just felt sad for some of the people that that we're helping in our food bank and our immediate community and um yeah and there are families and children really struggling and it, the resources yeah. don't appear to be there to support them, it, it, but we seem a, to have this magic money tree where, <laughs> where there's particular things that become the thing we're doing at the moment, and all this money suddenly appears. I know, it, yeah, it it, it 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 tends to be a it tends to be a middle class project, I think, um, and it it and this is where as Christians, I think we should be rigorous in how we approach this so that because you know what the bible tells us that justice is important Mm. and god tells us that justice for the poor is important um so don't hear that please don't hear this and think oh you know tim and helen are against helping ukrainians we're not we're simply asking the question what is the right thing to do and i don't think that what we're doing at the moment is the right thing to do um, and I think it's it's simply um, it's 
it's misplaced and um, in some situations it's not going to end well sadly well it is another experiment isn't it, it I, is. I don't yes. recall us ever doing anything like it before um, and obviously it's been it appears to have been an experiment designed very quickly mm. and again like we talked about with things done during covid with no real idea of how it's going to go or or how it's going to be dealt with in the longer term yeah yeah and and and, and i think yeah i suppose sometimes we we simply don't know do we we we, we don't know how something's going to going to going to pan out but there has to be an element of wisdom applied to the decisions we make and i think this is one of the things where as the church we've really dropped the ball on this one we tend to be lax in applying wisdom and discernment to situations that are foisted on us by the government and we're not to do that we are to apply rigorous wisdom and discernment to anything that comes our way and to seek god as to the right way to approach something um but yeah it's it's it is it is a it is a bit of a a, a tricky a tricky situation and like you say i mean the magic money tree i mean i don't know where the government are getting all this money from because we haven't got any money <laughs> i think they've been printing it but that's a bad idea um anyway okay anything else on that should we move on should we move on or uh yeah go on then uh, right. Okay. Uh, let's just touch a bit on the the culture thing. Um, so I saw this interesting uh, quote from Zuby, who is um, a musician, and he said decades ago, some smart people decided that fathers were merely optional, and sadly, millions of men and women embrace this idea consciously or subconsciously. We are living through the consequences of this. I think he's absolutely right, don't you, Helen? Mm, sadly, yes, I do. It's um, we are just kind of seeing the fallout from from this in so many um, tragic ways. And one of the things that he's kind of pointing to, I think, is is ultimately the the, the breakdown of of the family unit, which did start decades ago. It started in the sixties, predominantly, and has has grown since then and we're, we're just reaping numerous harvests from that now I think um, mm. in so many so many different different ways through you know children not knowing which family they're going to stay with at a given weekend to um, to the confusion now of of so-called gender identity um, which is the extension which is the outworking of breaking down the family unit mm. um, because you take you take the fathers out of the situation you take a spiritual responsibility out of the situation and you, in terms of that's how God ordained the family unit to work mums and dads working together and then slowly but surely all sorts of crazy ideas take root and then sadly bear fruit yeah I think the thing is, it's of course there's always going to be breakdowns in, in some families. Of course, yes. there will always yeah. be. You know, sometimes a mother or a father dies. Sometimes, you know, there there will be a split. Something happens. Someone goes to prison, or the relationship breaks down and just can't be um, 
you know reconciliation can't happen of course that happens but but when a society effectively actively promotes it that that it's not that is effectively saying the family unit is not important the traditional family unit and that's the situation where where we are now i mean i think one of the things that zuby who i have huge amount of respect for um if you've never heard about him go and look him up he's a very clever and wise man in my view we'll, we'll um, link to him in the in the oh well done in the, notes. Yeah, in the notes yeah. um when the black lives matter thing was kicking off whenever how long ago that was now i can't remember my sense of time has gone um <laughs> all over the place with covid um but when it was i remember uh on instagram for example seeing all these black squares people were posting and i'd not heard of blm before so straight away i thought well what is this organization i'll go and have a look and i looked up their website and looked up their um i think it was their mission statement and in it very clearly it says they are against the nuclear family hmm. wow. um and you know so immediately i was like well that i don't care what anyone else is saying that's not an organization i can support i won't be posting a black square exactly the point that zuby makes as well um they have huge influence yes um and the nuclear family why would anyone be against the concept of a nuclear family yeah. why are we why are organizations in our culture trying to disband the nuclear family i think the only explanation that I have is it's it's a it's to do with power and it's to do with control. Ab- yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's also linked to this whole idea of like ideological groupthink. Um, it's just a, it's just another manifestation of of that idea, isn't it? Where where you you subscribe to to a particular way of thinking, an ideology, and anything that deviates out of that, it's automatically wrong. Which is what you see with the BLM. It's what you see with the the gender debate, whether that's LGBTQ, whatever, um, or or anything to do to with the gender things. You subscribe to the ideology, and anything that falls outside that simply is simply is a non-negotiable. Is 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 handed down, and um, the the family unit is central to a functioning society that is irrefutable and people like blm know that Mm. um the lgbtq lobby know that which is why they push it so hard in schools you know i send i send my my boys to school i'll be honest with you because because at the moment i have to I'm not sure. Not sure actually how much good it does them, but they but they go to um, local comprehensive school, and so I expect that school to teach them things like how to how to um, work through a novel in English literature and, and dissect it well, or to how to how to um, do you know reasonable algebra calculations in maths, or understand you know the basics of chemistry or physics or biology. And do do some sports, well, burn some energy off, and, and enjoy that, and get good at that, and and help them with kind of their interactions with their friends. That's what I, I expect schools to be doing. I do yeah. not expect schools to be doing my job as a parent by foisting an ideological ideolog- notion onto them, which the school do. You know, yeah. something like Pride Week is terrible, and that that's not the school's job. 
but no, that's that's that is a, a that is an um, a, a real world um, example of of how the family unit is being intentionally eroded by taking things that should be within the family, putting them outside the family, and then twisting them. Um, mm. And BLM is an expression of that. Yeah, it's it's very dangerous, um, and and things are not talked about the the statistics for example on the outcomes of children growing up without a father and obviously we're not saying that that this is the same for everyone but this is on average the yeah. statistics show very very clearly that children have significantly worse outcomes whether that's in terms of poverty in terms of uh, school attendance crime prison yeah. That they are that is the fact that growing up without a father puts children at a significant disadvantage. It yeah, it totally does. And and anything that kind of you know seeks to seeks to perpetuate that disadvantage um should should be challenged. And if if you listen to this and you're a Christian parent, um we would encourage you to, you know, do basic things like sit around sit around the table for um, for meal time, even if it's like dinner. Sit around the table and discuss stuff together. Get used to discussing culture. Ask 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 your children what went on at school, and then if you need to do a, a dismantling process of what they've been taught at school, do it. It's your job as a parent to indoctrinate your children. It's not the job of the school to indoctrinate your children. But have those conversations yeah, around the table and, and have a Bible near the table. Get the Bible out and say, look, well, actually, what does what does God say about this? Let's have a look at that and encourage encourage your kids and encourage them to be open. Um, it, it, you know, the, I think as parents, we just look for little wins, don't we, sometimes? We're, we know there's a nice big mm. ideal that in, in the Instagram parent world where everything's perfect, which none of us live in. Um, but, you know, it's just, <laughs> just going for the little wins, however small it is, and... Um, yeah, taking that. Um, right, shall we move on? Because we're, yeah. we're, we're swiftly through <laughs> yeah, our very short, short podcast. podcast. <laughs> our short podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, right. So next, next on the list, we got the um, the WHO pandemic treaty. Um, okay. So this is this is something that's been been put together by the World Health Organization whether it be called a pandemic treaty or something else I'm not really sure yet um, but it's it's a little bit um, insidious it's something to be aware of and to be aware of I think um, and it's one of those things that's been in been in some news channels again not kind of so much on a legacy news side but there seem to be two camps with this one. There seems to be basically those who say, "Oh, this is this is a thing, but it's not it's not going to be a thing." In other words, it's something. It's just something that that governments may be signing up to, or maybe um, kind of agreeing in principle to, but it has no bearing on anything. And there's others who say this thing's going to be horrendous because it's potentially centralising uh, what we've seen happen in, in the world the last two years into into one one place. Um, but it's interesting to note that the 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 Boris Johnson 
on, on the UK government website, no less, uh, says, says this, talking about this treaty. He says, to that end, we believe that nations should work together towards a new international treaty for pandemic preparedness and response. Such a renewed collective commitment would be a milestone in stepping up pandemic preparedness at the height, highest political level. It would be rooted in the constitution of the World Health Organization, drawing in other relevant organizations key to this endeavor in support of the principle of health for all. Existing global health instruments, especially the international health regulations, would underpin such a treaty, ensuring a firm and trusted foundation on which we can build and improve. He concludes, Boris Johnson concludes with this, Pandemic preparedness needs global leadership for a global health system fit for this millennium. To make this commitment a reality, we must be guided by solidarity, fairness, transparency, inclusiveness and equity. How many other buzzwords could he fit in now, I wonder, Helen? <laughs> so there you go. That's from, that's, that's from the big man himself. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Well, the, the bit that really uh, makes me feel very uneasy is this global leadership for a global health system fit yeah. for this millennium it's yeah. talking about global power structures again which i think are very dangerous absolutely yeah i think that is that is the case and as we look back over these last um two two years just over two years now isn't it um one thing that struck struck us very early on was how just how many governments around the world did exactly the same thing mm. and governments of different political persuasions and countries of different political systems did the same thing and yes there were exceptions look there's always going to be exceptions when you have um, a generalization uh, but that does not in any shape or form undermine the generalization so um, for example Sweden they bucked the trend I think they were just a control in all this to be honest but um but the amount of governments that acted doing all the same thing is unprecedented. We've yeah. never seen very anything like that in the history of, of no. the world that we're aware of. What are you going to say? Sorry. Well, they they did all act together and very, very quickly in unison. And and what were they following? They were following the example of China. Yes. Who, who are very influential <laughs> in the WHO. And, and there's, there's yeah. another major concern that... So is this effectively, is, is China going to be the model that, that we now follow um, for this global system? I, I hope not, because, um, you know, what's, what's happened in, in China and in Shanghai and other places over the last few weeks has been pretty shocking, pretty shocking, where people have been locked up in their, their flats. You know, that's assuming, of course, that one can believe what's coming out of China. You've got to... <laughs> Yeah, that side of it as well. Let's be honest. Um, but yeah, on the face of it, shall we say, it's it's it is it is very very shocking. Um, so so really, the reality is when this for this for our government for this country to subscribe or sign up or have it ends up working to to a pandemic treaty is simply nothing more than rubber stamping what we've already done we've already done um so in that regard it, it's it's setting in stone if you like the pattern of what was followed 
for the last two years. And that is worrying. That is mm-hmm. not a good thing. And there's 12, there's 12 nations um, on the on the executive board of the World Health Organization. Do you, do you want to just run through those, Helen? Well, I'll run through them, but I have to admit, one of them I thought was a was you having a laugh. I thought, I didn't even know. I've never heard of it. Okay. So we've got Brazil, obviously, Brazil, Canada, China, Ethiopia, um, Maldives, Micronesia. I've, I've never very, heard of Micronesia. I don't so know where very, it is. It's, it's very small. Um, Morocco, Moldova, <laughs> Senegal, Slovakia, USA, and Yemen, surprisingly. Wow. I mean, they... they Yes, and, and how how many how many countries from the from the European continent do we have have on have on there? Ooh. Well, Europe. Let's say let's put it that way. We got Not one Slovakia. There. Slovakia. Um, so so yeah, th- these these people who will de- these are the countries who will decide how we are to be instructed or obligated to behave next time. There is well, and they have a person on the board. I don't know who the person is. I mean, it's not it's not. It's not the leader of their country, or it's not necessarily any political leader, is it? Who these people are, no. I don't know. Um, so, you, you know, where the accountability will be. So next time there's a pandemic, presumably the idea is that this board, uh, this global WHO board, will decide what happens in our country and there will be no accountability, it, at least at the moment, in theory, we have elected leaders who we can hold to account for what happens. But they'll be instructed by this global body. Yeah. And 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 it's, it's, it's simply the stupidest way to do something, for everybody to do the same thing. You, you, you should never do the same thing in something like this. If you do have such a thing as an actual pandemic, you shouldn't all be doing the same thing. That's idiotic. You should, no, you should, you should, be you, should you should, you should, locally. independent decisions based on local conditions, doing what people think is the best thing in their situation. Yeah, That's the sensible, correct, intelligent response. And this flies in the face of of that, and it's absolutely nuts. Um, it just, it just sadly smacks all of the same thing. Um, and. Yeah, as Christians, we, we, we okay. Let's be honest. As Christians, number one, we can't directly, I don't think, do anything about this in the sense of we can't necessarily stop it happening. We can, of course, pray about it, which is good. Um, how we should pray is a different matter, um, but we should be aware of it because it helps us um, formulate a worldview that's going to be something approaching a realistic one. Um, rather than um, the head in the sand version, which none of us want to do, and sometimes, let's be honest, it's tempting because um, mm. <laughs> it's just easier sometimes, but it's not the best one. It's not the best one to do. Okay. Um, but yeah, that that's 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 one to watch. And, in, and what strikes me about this is that I don't remember any of us asking for this. Do you, Helen? I, I don't. I don't remember ever thinking. You know what we need? We need a like. Uh, something that's akin to one world government when it comes to our health. That's what we need. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of anybody who's asked for that. And yet here we have governments doing that. Well, no, that, that, most, doesn't that strike you as odd? It, very odd. And the thing I hear most from people about health is, um, I want to be able to see a doctor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to actually 
be able to speak to a real doctor and see face to face a real doctor. That might be quite good for my health. Yes. That's what people are concerned about. Exactly. Exactly. Just the basic fundamental things which we all would like and need and which prior to, well, the end of 2019, beginning of 2020 was fairly reasonable and, well, yeah, it had its issues, but it, but at least it, it worked better than now. Right. Let's move on to our last thing. Uh, so Calvin Robinson. Go on, Helen. You go. Tell us a little bit about Calvin Robinson. Calvin, he's great. Um, he, for those of you who don't know him, he's a British political commentator and journalist, policy advisor as well, apparently, and campaigner. Um, he's a senior fellow at the Research Institute for Policy Exchange. Uh, and he used to be, in a previous working life, he was a secondary school teacher and apparently became a video games journalist. Um, but he he's he's well known. Um, he has been training for ordination in the Church of England as well, as if he's not busy enough. Um, but that's all gone a little bit pear shaped recently. It has, it has, and there, <laughs> yeah, there was an article in in. I mean, we were quoting our our favourite legacy media outlets today. So so we got this one. This from the Daily Mail, but this is actually this is actually linked via Calvin Robinson's Twitter account. So it's it's a legitimate source that he's he's okay with. But basically the article explains what happens. And it says this. It says a black trainee vicar, that's Calvin Robinson, was blocked from becoming a Church of England priest after a white bishop voiced concerns about his belief that Britain was not institutionally racist. Wow. It's um it's it's really is is quite quite something isn't it and calvin robinson himself says it has become clear that there is no place for theologically or politically conservative views in the church of england the church should not be chasing societal norms we have a very handy book with clear views on things like this wowzers he's Mm. hit the nail on the head there i think hasn't he he has he has. Isn't it sad that we've got to this point where where someone like Calvin Robinson, who who stands for conservative Christian values, is effectively not, not welcome in the Church of England? Not only that, but he, he is black and the brazenness of the Church of England's kind of ideological stance means they'll even they'll even overlook the fact that he is black in this case because they so vehemently oppose what he stands for which yeah. which actually says to us what the real issue is which is going away from the gospel away from a biblical grounding um which is what some of the church of england are doing and it's it's a it's a it's a tragic tragic thing to see um it, it it is and it's 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 just the mind boggles really this so this bishop who it's the right reverend sarah mullally i think you say her name the bishop of london and she's the lady who lectured him about racism in, in the church and apparently said as a white woman i can tell you that the church is institutionally racist 
it's like because get your head course, around that as a white woman she knows what? a lot more about that and has a lot more experience of that than calvin does as a black man can you can you can you imagine this happening in in, 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 in any other kind of sphere i i think i think yeah it 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 shows actually that that the ideological belief in in this part of the church of england is is more important to them than the truth and um they've been found out on this one i mean they let's be honest they've been found out a long time ago but it's just you know it's just coming to the mainstream now and calvin has moved over to GAFCON, which is the Global Anglican Future Conference, and the the GAFCON movement is is a is a is a as a family of authentic Anglicans who stand together to retain and restore the Bible to the heart of the Anglican Communion, and it's had some great people move over to it. He of Calvin Robertson is 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 um, one of the the newest ones, but isn't it isn't it sad that in the Anglican Church, this this great institution this country um, started has to have a breakaway movement in effect in order to try and have some semblance of, of biblical grounding, isn't it? I just think it's 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 heartbreaking, really. It is. It's really heartbreaking, and um, I feel like I I might might follow him yes Um, there are not that i'm in an anglican church at the moment um i think many of those in this uh, gafcon are are from africa um where they still generally hold conservative uh, orthodox christian values um it's very sad and uh, and i know there are lots of people who who are very upset about it yeah, I don't think it's going to go well for the Church of England. No, it's not. And and you know, the, there are amazing churches in the Church of England. You know, we, we both, you and me, Helen, we've you know been to them, know them, uh, but they but they sadly seem to be in the minority. And and when people who aren't Christians see see comments like this uh, female bishop Sarah Mullally they take that as as the gospel view for the whole of the church of england in the same way that when they see see something uttered by justin welby they think that that's what all christians believe which is increasingly nonsense no so, it's what all all of those at the top of the hierarchy believe which yes. is not the same thing yes yeah um and sadly that's the only way you get to the top of the hierarchy that as well. is the only way you get there um but maybe that that's that's something we could we should touch on for another time. So yes, look, do you want to um, help us end on a, on a high here rather on a high. than yeah? Well, I think I think um, you know this issue of institutional racism, and that's this is one example. But in the church, it's it's really important that we remember that um, that God doesn't see. Uh, race that that's not something that's important to him what's important is is our heart and that should be the same for all of us so in galatians 3 verse 28 it says there is neither jew nor greek slave nor free male nor female for you are all one in christ jesus and that's what we should be 
remembering. That's what we should be. Yeah. That's part of the gospel that we should be preaching as the church. Um, yeah. And that's not to say, of course, there may be the odd person here or there who is racist. And that's, that's something that, that is to be the way to stop that is for those people to, to stop behaving in a racist way. But that's very different from this idea that, um, the church or any particular institution is institutionally racist. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I to- and that's what Calvin is saying. And I agree with him. And that, yeah, that, and that, that is, that is so, that's so important. And yeah, the fact that as Christians, we are in Christ, it's being in Christ, isn't it? That is, is what matters. And being yeah. in Christ enables us to, um, start to see the world through a different lens through that that biblical worldview um it ultimately gives us hope um that even when things in this world seem to be kind of falling apart a bit that because we're in christ we know that we have an eternal hope an eternal future um and that one day all the all the injustices and the things that gone gone wrong will be will be put right because god says that that he will do that because he is um, he is just and he always does what is right um so i think that that's that's a good thing if 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 we didn't have our faith i think it would be overwhelming what we're talking about in many regards wouldn't it because there wouldn't be yeah. that eternal perspective but we do and that's yeah. it right well look this has been a, a short normal length podcast um shall we end there helen Let's end there. Yes. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll do we'll do another one soon and kind of try <laughs> try and get something re- approaching um, regularity in this. Uh, but anyway, we'll do our best. But I hope you enjoyed this one. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you do, do send us any kind of things you'd like us to have a look at or chat through questions, comments. If you've got any comments, feedback, always send them over to us. We'd like to hear that. We do have a Telegram channel where we want to um, try and curate um, helpful. Um, news pieces or information that, that might be useful because there is a lot of stuff out there and frankly none of us can read all of it and we just spend it just finishes all off um, but we try and put on on our telegram channel things that might be interesting so do join our cha- telegram channel and do share the podcast with people you think this might help right okay thanks Helen. see you soon okay bye bye